Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome to this episode of the St. Basil the Great Catholic Church Brecksville podcast. I am Tommy Dome, Director of Evangelization, your host again, and I'm happy to be joined with somebody new, somebody new to the parish, and you're going to get to know her well on this podcast, but also over the next many years, we hope, and that is Erin Hogan. Hello, everyone who's listening, especially parishioners of St. Basil the Great. As Tommy said, my name is Erin Hogan, and I'm going to be the new youth minister here at St. Basil, and I am so excited. Yeah? I So really you're the am. new youth minister. You're taking over from Mr. Dollard, and how are you feeling? I'm feeling really excited. I think that the Holy Spirit has really been present in all of this. He's been like working through this whole time in the pandemic so that it's been a time where I've been able to prayerfully discern where God is calling me. Hmm. And there have been so many like little moments and just words of encouragement that have brought peace to my heart to show me that this is where I'm supposed to be. Cool. And so I'm super excited. So would you say it's been like an easy decision, discernment-wise? It was not an easy decision to come here, to leave my previous youth ministry job And then I was also just trying to figure out which parish is where the Lord wanted me to go. And that decision actually took a lot of time and a lot of prayer. Mm -hmm. But through it all, I just kind of felt this tug on my heart towards St. Basil, even though I didn't know why. I didn't really know anyone at the parish. I didn't know much about the program. I knew you were getting a new pastor, but I didn't know who it was. But through this whole process, I just felt my heart just felt called to come here. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, we're going to get to know you a little bit, and I'm going to ask you some questions, and later we're going to do some super fun role-playing, like youth ministry role-playing, and it may not work at all, totally crash and burn. But first, let's get right into it. Tell me a story. Tell me a story, a real story, okay? But make change the name. Go with a fictional name to protect the person's identity. But I want to hear a real story of life change of a teenager at your former parish who met the living God. What were they like before? Under what circumstances did they meet him? Did they meet God? And what are they like now? All right. This is this is such a great question because this is why like people get involved in youth ministry. It's for these kids to meet the living God. Mm-hmm. That's the whole reason I'm here. So I'm going to tell you guys a story about one of my teens. Her name, her fictional name is <laughs> Lisa. <laughs> All right, Lisa. And she actually wasn't even a teen at the parish where I was working. Her mom emailed me because she wanted to go to the Steubenville Youth Conference and her parish wasn't going. Mm-hmm. So Steubenville pointed her towards IHM. And me. And so I was like, of course, the more the merrier. Why not? So we brought her to a bonfire just to kind of introduce her to everyone. And she was explaining to us that she had been born into the Catholic Church, but 
throughout all of her upbringing, she had been going to Protestant churches Mm -hmm. and like her whole family had kind of just fallen away from the Catholic faith, still very devout attending these Protestant churches, but never like really understanding or learning about the Catholic faith. And so I was like, oh, well, that's wonderful. You know, we're really excited for you to come with us. And so during this whole trip to Steubenville, it was amazing to see her open herself up to the Catholic faith in particular, most especially during that Saturday night of adoration in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah. Afterwards, I remember her talking about it and she was like, I didn't even, I didn't even realize that my Protestant youth group was missing something so vital and so important until I came here and experienced adoration. She was, she was in tears. She actually was like slain in the spirit during adoration Mm -hmm. and was resting in the spirit. And from there, I just saw her, her whole life. She just, she wanted to dive into her Catholic faith. She wanted answers about all these questions that she had had. Her entire family actually kind of did like a turn and came back to the church and started attending mass more regularly and started diving into more of the lives of the saints. And her and her mom wear veils when they go to mass now because it's a devotion that they felt tugged to coming back to the Eucharist and coming back to mass. Lisa has, she's since graduated. Um, she's not going to college, but she's working on a, a career kind of in secular music. And she'll still keep in contact with me and ask me because she really feels like the Lord is pulling her to go out into the world and live this witness of a Christian life, of the love of God, even in an industry that's so secular. And so I'm so excited to see where where it's going to keep taking her because she is just, she's on fire for the Catholic faith. And it's just been so beautiful to watch this whole time. That's awesome. That's so awesome. (laughs) You have such a good imagination to make that whole thing up. Yeah. No, blessed be God for that. (laughs) Wow. That is awesome. Yeah, we are trying to be all about and more about life change. And that's a word that I really like. It's one word, life change, you know, mm-hmm. and focusing on that. Because if being a part of this parish is not changing your life continuously, even if it's slowly, then like, what's the point? What are we doing here? You know, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a saint yet. We aren't. We got to continuously have, have ongoing conversion. All right, let's rewind and hear your story, if you have a story, if you can articulate your own sort of faith journey like that in those three. What were you like before your initial conversion? What happened and what changed? Well, I was born into a very strong Catholic family. My dad was a high school theology teacher for over 30 years, and even now he still works in the parish. So I was really blessed that throughout my whole upbringing, the faith was always a part of our life. And if I ever had any question, we could be sitting around the dinner table and I'd ask my dad a question. Suddenly, like it would become a theological discussion over tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best. <laughs> Those are the best. <laughs> so I, I feel so lucky and so blessed in that way. But even with that, all the way through high school, I would say that mostly my faith was intellectual So I understood the teachings of the church, and I dove into them, and I was attracted by the truth that was there, and I thought it was beautiful, but I hadn't really met 
Christ mm-hmm. or had that like personal encounter with him. Like yeah, you're yeah. saying life change. Like I hadn't had my life like totally turned and flipped around probably until I got to college and I went to John Carroll University and I didn't go for theology at all that the Lord surprised me with that one. I tried every other major possible. I tried business. I tried chemistry. I tried psychology. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, I landed on theology after just like taking an intro course and the Lord just captured my heart. Mm. And so I just like, I knew that that was it. And so I started diving more into theology. And the cool thing about John Carroll is that they have a partnership with Borromeo Seminary. So the seminarians come and take classes at John Carroll and the Carroll kids can go and take classes at the seminary. Mm-hmm. And so I had met some of these guys during my studies at Carroll and I took a couple courses over at the seminary and I started just becoming closer and closer friends with them because this was a group of people who had had this life-changing encounter with God, so much so that they were willing to go against everything the culture was saying and even just try to discern if the Lord was calling them to priesthood. And they were all so happy, and they were all so prayerful, and they all just talked about it like it was like this normal part of their life. And eventually I was like, I want it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I want want that. And so I started realizing that this whole, like, peace was missing from my faith. And so I started just diving more deeply into prayer and probably asking just the most basic question of like, Lord, can you show me your love for me? I've heard about it. I've read about it. Yeah. But I haven't experienced it. Awesome. Yeah. And that's when the Lord broke in. And now I'm here. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit more uh, about your background, about what makes you so special, huh? Hotshot, what do you think? What's so great about you? So great about me. Ugh, the list is too long oh, to wow. even start, Tom. Yeah. First, most, most humble person we've ever had on well, the podcast. That's course. number one. <laughs> it's my humility. <laughs> A couple, I don't know, I think some like fun facts. So, of course, you know, I have a a theology background, but I feel like it's one of the fun facts that like get people to really know you. So another Mm -hmm. huge part of my life is that I was an Irish dancer all growing up, and now I even still teach Irish dancing. And it's this whole weird subculture Mm -hmm. of this like crazy competitive world of Irish dancing. It's like, it's wigs, it's fake tans, it's sparkles. Oh yeah. Oh, it's crazy. You got these big giant curly wigs that you have to pin to your head. I, okay. So the picture that we promote this podcast with on social media has to have a picture of you with a huge, (laughs) huge curly wig because you have Super straight brown hair. So oh, yeah. yeah, send me one of those. All right, I will. The fake tan too, because I'm I'm pretty pale because I'm Irish. So there you go. Yeah. So then, why would you need to be tan if it's now oh, whatever? <laughs> <clears throat> well, it's because Irish people are so pale uh-huh. that when you go up on like a stage and you're under those lights, you look like you're like sick and dying. Oh, because you're so pale. So it started just like we're gonna give them a little color. But then, like, it exploded into <laughs> something that defies reason and all logic. <laughs> See, I did not know any of this. So, uh, all right, what else? Um, I am a middle child. I have two older sisters, and then it's me, and then I have a younger brother and a younger sister. So, for all the middle children out there, just know that you are the best. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and I love you all so much. <laughs> You're not forgotten. <laughs> you are deeply, deeply loved. <laughs> yeah. Are you a middle child? I'm I'm the baby. Aww. So I'm treasured just my two older sisters. They still give me a hard time. Oh, Tommy. That's their impression of my mom. Oh. Uh, yeah. It sounds pretty accurate. Like, <laughs> I've never met your mom. Yeah, before. how would you know it's accurate? <laughs> you know, both edited. my parents actually go to St. Helens and Newberry. Oh, do they and really? They, yes. Like my mom went to your dad's classes. They've both like sent me emails of some of his stuff. So they're big oh, fans. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I'm a big fan of my dad too. So. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> That's good. That's the fourth commandment. All right, so you said IHM. That means Immaculate Heart of Mary in Cuyahoga Falls because that's where you previously were a youth minister. Now, when I was a youth minister here at St. Basil's, I had some big flops, like things <laughs> I tried that just bombed. I mean, there were some videos and activities on retreat that just failed and crashed and burned, and I thought they were hilarious. Come to find out. <laughs> They were hilarious. It's just everybody else doesn't have the correct sense of humor. Uh, one time we tried, I don't really remember exactly what it was, but we tried this shaving thing where you had to shave somebody else. So we put like shaving cream all over their face or something, but shaving cream is way more expensive than whipped cream. Plus you can't eat shaving cream. So it's like, we'll just use whipped cream <laughs> on everybody's face, but that totally doesn't work because it doesn't like stick to your face. It just drips right off. <laughs> So it was the messiest. It just didn't work. It just didn't work as an activity. Huge waste of time. Huge mess. That's a big old flop. Can you think of any major bombs from your years at Immaculate Heart? I've only been there for three years, but that list is almost as long as my greatest attributes list. <laughs> <laughs> I think anytime you're in youth ministry, you're going to have some some big failures. Um, one of, one of my favorite ones though. And the kids had a great time, but it was one of those moments in ministry where you're just like, oh my goodness, what have I just done? <laughs> it was last year's kickoff, and we were playing outside. We were playing Capture the Flag Paint Dodgeball. That sounds amazing. It it was amazing. I'll give myself a little <laughs> bit of credit for that. So how is this a flop? <laughs> so at the end of it, like you, it's capture the flag, but instead of tagging the people and them having to go to jail, you throw these sponges that have been like you have big buckets of paint, and you throw oh, the sponges at them, and if it hits them, then they have to go to jail. So it's like dodgeball, but with paint covered sponges. And at the end of it, there were these. So two the flop was that you did it in church. <laughs> The flop, if, if I had done it in church, oh, man, I would have lost my job <laughs> like that. <laughs> so the flop came when at the end, the two boys were, I think they were sophomore boys. So, you know, perfect, the perfect mental image for this. <laughs> they were like, Aaron, can we take these buckets of paint that are left over and throw them on each other? And me trying to be the cool youth minister, I'm like, for sure, like, go for it. I was like, but let's, like, let's just do it over the drain in the parking lot so, like, it'll drain. I'm, try I'm trying to think this through, you yeah. know? And so they go and they throw it. We have the camera out. We're, like, taking pictures. The pictures are amazing from this. They <laughs> thrust these things of paint over each other, over this drain in the parking lot. But then, like, as soon as I see the paint leave the buckets, I realize that this paint is going to splatter on the concrete everywhere uh, okay <laughs> and so i throw these 
they throw these buckets of paint and it gets all over the parking lot and I immediately like run to get the hose and I just spent like the next hour just like spraying <laughs> the parking lot down oh man they had a great time so yeah. that's a win but it was just one of those moments where I'm like what have I done I tried and this was the stupidest that's move awesome. ever <laughs> Well, for those folks who think that youth ministry is really nothing but pizza and dodgeball, that's it, just messing around with paint and clogging up the church parking lot drain, <laughs> share one more thing, because it's redemption time after the flop. Share something that just went awesome. Something is, come to mind? Is this also supposed to be, like, this will further the stereotype that all we do are, you know, crazy games and stuff. Does it, you want it to be something like um, that or something like a little bit more? Yeah. How about like with Jesus? With Jesus. Okay. Yeah. I got one of those too. Don't okay, worry. Good. <laughs> we bring him into youth ministry too. In fact, he's, he's pretty central most of the time. So <laughs> we had one semester where I realized that we've been telling the kids that they need to pray and that to build a relationship with Christ, they have to pray. And we weren't telling them how to do that. We weren't even giving them like any of the basic tools and how to do that, except for, you know, a gratitude prayer at the end of the night. And so I decided that for like parts of our nights, we were going to go over to the church and we were really going to just like dive into prayer. And so one of my favorite forms of prayer is Ignatian meditation and using imaginative prayer to like mm -hmm. really put myself into a scene and see like what where the Lord speaks to me and where that takes me. And so I decided to try that with my teens. And the thing about imaginative prayer is like they can all have their eyes closed and be doing nothing. Yeah. I have no idea how it's going if if they're actually trying to enter in, if they're daydreaming, if they're asleep. Sleeping. I have no control and so it's kind of terrifying yeah. as a youth minister being Takes in charge. Faith. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm going over and as we're walking over, like, I'm just feeling more and more like, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Oh my goodness. What am I getting into? I have no idea. I'm doubting myself and doubting mm -hmm. Christ. But thankfully I was like, nope, this is what we're doing. We're going to try it. And so I brought, it was around Christmas time and we did a reflection on the nativity. And so I was just asking, I had them all close their eyes and I was asking them to picture what the stable looks like. I was asking them to, you know, what does it smell like? Where are you in the scene? Mm -hmm. All these questions to help like paint this picture. And then I read some of the gospel passage and then I kind of, I left it with a cliffhanger like, okay, what happens now? And we just kind of sat in silence for a cool. while. Which I like is, that yeah. question at the end. That's good. Yeah. And again, it's kind of, it's kind of scary because you realize that none of it's you as the youth minister, like, yes, I'm asking these questions, but really like it's up, this is the time when it's up to the Lord. And that's the whole point of youth ministry too, is it's not about me. It's not about the youth minister. It's about Christ reaching these kids through me. And so it was one of these moments where I was really just like, all right, Lord, I'm just kind of surrendering this to you. They're yours now speak to them. And I started praying for them and praying for their hearts to be open and that the Lord would like pierce them. And, and after a little bit of silence, I asked, I was like, all right, so what did you guys experience? What did you see? And the things that these kids were saying were blowing me away. Like they really opened their hearts up to it and they were stunned by it. The one girl I remember, be, she was saying, at first I was like behind these hay bales and I was kind of peering over them. And then all of a sudden, 
all of the animals and everything just parted away. And I saw the Holy Family and Mary just beckoned me to come forward. And so I walked forward and I just was able to sit with them. I I was floored. Wow, that's awesome. And how amazing and how these kids were just able to dive into prayer and these beautiful experiences that they've had with them. It was it was one of the most humbling moments as a youth minister as well, too. That was for sure one of the biggest wins. It was excellent. Blessed be the Lord. Yes. All right, you want to try this thing then? Let's try it out. This could be one of the fails, or this could be one of the things that goes spectacularly. So, All right, let's try something. So I came up with this idea a couple days ago, and I ran it by you, and it might not work at all, but we're going to go for it. So this is the weird part <laughs> of the podcast where we are going to try to do some role-playing as two different youth ministers speaking to an imaginary, invisible, well, no, they wouldn't be invisible, like a, a, a teenager. Like, how would two different youth ministers taking two different approaches answer a question from a teenager? All right. Now, the reason we're doing this is because we're going to talk about this term that's used in youth ministry, which is called relational ministry. Okay. So, this is our attempt at trying to show what that is, what that means. You're not just delivering the truth, the content of the deposit of faith, but trying to enter into an evangelizational relationship with our young people, right? And so there's got to be trust in any sort of relationship before we can personally invite someone into deeper life with God. So here comes the role play part. So let's imagine that there is a teenager who comes up to you right at the end of the life night. So the life night is that Sunday evening thing we do. And sometimes they're a spiritual night or a teaching night or a social night. But the night ends, you do the closing prayer as the youth minister, and the teens are waiting for their parents to come pick them up. And some teenage girl named Sally comes and asks you a question. Her parents are about to pick her up in two minutes. So you got two minutes to answer, okay? So you ready? Aaron, so here are the two different methods we're going to go for. One way of answering this teenager's question is I'm going to call it the fact transfer method. And that's where you just answer their question with the correct answer. Okay, it's like the textbook answer. It's correct, but it kind of like views the young person as a question asker and views us as an answer giver. I'm all for the right answer, but there's more to it than that because we're not just uh, logic machines, right? God gave us an intellect and a will, but there's so much more to us than that. Now, the other method that Erin's going to be doing, she's going to be showing us the relational ministry method. This is where a teenager is not viewed as a question asker, but they are viewed as a precious, unrepeatable child of God who was loved into existence and is seeking the truth, whether they know it or not. This is somebody who desires to love and be loved and accepted and cherished and all that. So this person, they got to be won over. They got to be convinced. They got to hear a compelling argument from someone who really is investing in them. They don't want to be informed. They want to be invested in and invited in. So the relational ministry method doesn't exclude giving the correct answer from the catechism, but it's really like tilling the soil beforehand so that answer can be received and take deeper root. 
probably lost everybody. I think I lost myself in that ridiculous <laughs> sense of explanations. But I think when we get into this, you'll see just how different these approaches are. So let's get to the acting part, okay? Should we do accents? Um, we definitely need curly wigs. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Perfect. All right. So I have some. <laughs> <laughs> for me as well. Hopefully. Oh, yeah. So Sally's parents are going to be here in two minutes. And, of course, she comes and asks a straight-up humdinger of a question that can't be answered in two minutes. But you've got two options. Do we give the most compelling, concise textbook answer or, in a relational way, give them a taste of the truth but invite them to a full five-course meal in the future? So here's Sally's question. It's very simple. How come dinosaurs aren't in the Bible? That's the whole question. That's Sally's whole question. Why aren't dinosaurs in the Bible? But there's a bunch of presumptions underneath that, behind that, right? All right, so I'm going to give this first answer, which is like I'm trying to transfer facts into Sally's head from my head to her head. And then Aaron's going to do the relational ministry part. So here we go. Two minutes. Dinosaurs, dear Sally, dinosaurs <laughs> aren't mentioned in your physics textbook at school either. But does that mean that there's nothing true about your physics textbook and, and that it's worthless? No, of course not. You know, physics books, they focus on physics. Cookbooks, those have recipes. Poetry books have poems. But the Bible, see, the Bible is interesting because it's not just one book. It's a collection of 73 books. So it's not like one book in a certain genre. It's more like we can view it as a whole library, a whole library that contains different sections, just like a real library. You know, you got the history section, the biography section, fiction, nonfiction, the advice section, poetry section, and the Bible is just like that. It's got all these different genres together. And when you're walking through the different sections of the library, we just sort of unconsciously change our expectations of what's going to be in those different sections. You change your expectations of what you're going to find. But when it comes to the Bible, a lot of folks make the mistake of not changing their expectations as they explore those different sections of the library of the Bible. So, uh, you know, it makes sense to expect certain things from a cookbook and not other things. And to expect certain things from a self-help section and different particular things in the sports section. So... When we look at the Bible, we got to make sure we don't fall into the error of expecting the Bible to be a science textbook or a complete chronological history of events, because that's not what the inspired biblical authors were trying to do. They didn't spend their time digging for dirt and bones, because they didn't care about that stuff. They just wanted to witness to how the real God worked in their lives and how we can live for him on earth and live with him forever in eternity. And there are your parents, Sally. Okay, so that was like some big droning correct answer. That's one way to, to answer that question in two minutes. But now I want you to hear Aaron give a different approach, a relational ministry kind of approach, which is going to be hard because Sally's not here to sort of give the feedback. But all right, give it a <laughs> shot, Aaron. Yeah. Sally yeah. says, hey, youth minister Aaron, how come dinosaurs aren't in the Bible? Well, my dear Sally, <laughs> that is an amazing question. And a lot of kids your age 
aren't thinking about those things. So just the fact that you asked it shows that you're really taking this seriously and you're really wanting to dive into your faith because you're asking the tough questions and, and the church has the answers. But can I ask you first, why do you think that dinosaurs aren't mentioned in the Bible? Pause here for Sally's answer to my question. (laughs) Perhaps she would say, I have no idea why they aren't mentioned. That's why I'm asking you, youth minister Aaron. (laughs) And I would come back saying, fair enough, fair enough. That's, That's a really good question. What kind of sparked it tonight? Like, what were we talking about that got you thinking about this? Because sometimes when people ask these questions, there's something, there's something else that they're thinking about. Again, cue Sally's answer for why she started thinking about this. All right, Sally, I can, I can tell that this is, this is really on your heart and your mind, and it's so good because it's showing that, it's showing that you are really taking this seriously, and you're trying to make this faith your own. Unfortunately, I see your parents pulling in to the driveway, my dear. And so I, I want to answer this question, but I want to do it justice. I want to make sure that I, I really explain it to you well so you don't leave here thinking that the church doesn't have the fullness of the truth, that they don't have the fullness of answers to these tough questions. So what if you come to Oratory on Wednesday— and we're going to start and we'll just do like a little like Q&A back and forth. There's a couple other people and I know that that come and I know they would love to hear the same answer to this question because it's one that even if people don't ask, I think a lot of people are struggling with this one, especially people your age. So if that doesn't work after let's we'll like end life night a little early or tell your parents to come a little later and I'll make sure to take a little time to answer this question for you next Sunday if you can't make it on Wednesday. See ya. Awesome. What you did there, Aaron, what I observed you doing was you actually entered into a conversation. With myself. And and you listened. You also said, you know, this is important enough that I want to do a good job answering because you deserve a good answer and a full answer. And I'll give you that answer. And then you invited her to something else. So you invited and you let her know you're going to invest some time. You might do a little homework to get the right answer. That's awesome. All right, let's do another. All Is right. that all right? Let's go. We're on a <clears throat> roll Sally now. leaves. Behind Sally, now you see Ricky. Ricky was waiting in line to ask you a question as well. He says, hey, youth minister, you know, uh, you mentioned in the prayer at the end of this life night that God loves us. And I guess I believe you, but see, my grandfather, he died a year ago. He was the best person I've ever known. And he got cancer. And I prayed a lot for God to heal him. My parents did too. And he didn't get healed. And he died a year ago. So how do you explain that? Well, that is a whopper of a question from Ricky. Here are two different answers. I'll go first, trying to answer answer just with content. And then Aaron will give us an example of how you enter into a conversation and let this person know that you care about them and you want to care about their soul, not just their question. Here would be my answer (laughs) because (laughs) I'm too many times I went to try and answer the question and not uh, care for the soul. Oh, Ricky. I'm sorry to hear that, Ricky. That is a tough one. You know, it's a great question. 
One of the strange and beautiful things about our Catholic faith is that the answer to the question of suffering, you can't find it in a book. You know, suffering doesn't happen in books. Books don't suffer. It's people who suffer. And just like how suffering is in people, the answer to suffering is also in a person. And that person is God. He has this beautiful and brilliant answer. And his answer to the question of suffering isn't, oh, you know what? Let me snap my fingers up in heaven and fix that for you down there on earth and everything will be great again. No, instead, God says, here I come. I'm coming down there myself to be with you and to be next to you, to suffer with you, alongside you. In fact, I'm going to suffer the greatest of all betrayals and tragedies so I can go through it first so that I will know what you're going through when you encounter pain and suffering in your life. You know, the symbol that a lot of us Christians hang around our necks, on our necklaces, it's not an empty tomb. It's not a rock rolled away. It's the cross. And that's an instrument of pain and and suffering, and it's a symbol that the Lord must love us so much in order to go through that. But it also shows that he knows what it's like to feel pain and suffering. And he's not going to just give me some beautiful words and then leave. No. He may not say any words, in fact, but he'll stick with you. And he may be silent, but his silence comes along with a very deep and dense presence. And God is with you now. And here come your parents, Ricky. So hope that helped, brother. Okay. <laughs> now, perhaps the better method, <laughs> undoubtedly, would be to approach Ricky and his wounded heart by trying to invest in this relationship. All right, youth minister Aaron, Ricky comes up to you, says the same thing, says, uh, you know, my grandfather died. I prayed and prayed and prayed and cancer still took him. So uh, how does that work? Oh, Ricky, I'm so beyond sorry to hear that. I think it's it's almost the hardest thing in the world when we watch the people that we love go through suffering, especially someone that it sounds like you were really close to your grandpa and like he was a really a really great guy. And so to watch that, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. Can you tell me a little bit more about your grandpa? What was he like? What, like, what are some of your favorite memories with him? Cue Ricky sharing <laughs> anecdotes <laughs> of him and his grandfather. <laughs> oh, Ricky, that's so beautiful. Our, our grandparents are treasures, and a lot of times we don't even realize it until they're gone. I've, I recently lost both of my, grandpa- my, both of my grandpas as well, and so I know just how 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 deep that hole of sadness in our heart is. And it oftentimes feels like the Lord isn't present in it. And this this question that you're asking, this sadness and this pain and this almost like abandonment that you're feeling, it is the hardest, one of the hardest struggles with our faith and with our world. It's one that people have been wrestling with for as long as we can remember. We do have 
more answers to it. But again, this is the answers are a little bit complicated and long. And so I'd love to talk with you more about this when your parents aren't waiting outside. Um, maybe if you want to come to oratory or if you want to stay a little bit late after the last life night, we can talk about this, this problem of why is there suffering in the world if God is so good? Why does he allow these things to happen if he really, truly does love us? But before you go, would you mind, could we, could we just pray together for your grandpa's soul and for the consolation of your family, because I can tell that even even though this has been a year, it still it still sits deeply. If you don't mind, let's just take a second before you leave, just to just to pray. Cue closing prayer, and then yes. goodbye, Ricky. Yeah, awesome. I hope that shows what Aaron and our core members are trying to accomplish. It's not just giving the right answers definitely is giving the right answers, but in the context of a relationship where our young people are treasured for the gifts that they are, where their questions are taken seriously, but also we look beyond the question. It's kind of like sometimes you see the tip of an iceberg, just the tip is above the surface, but underneath there can be so many experiences or wounds that really where these questions are coming from. So you can totally treat the symptom and and not treat the the underlying thing that's going on. And sometimes that's a barrier between the young person and God. Thanks for playing along with that thing, that role playing. I don't know how it's going to come across. Definitely leave us a comment in the, uh, <laughs> to this podcast if that was a total waste of your time or if it was good. <laughs> was it a bomb flop or was it spectacular like we were talking about before? All right, let's wrap up with lightning round. You ready? Okay, let's go. Okay, what's your favorite food genre? Um, I want to. Uh, <laughs> you don't know what food you like? Well, like I, I, I wanted to say like salty, but that's not a food genre. No, it's that's, okay. That's just it's like, all right. That's just a seasoning. But I like like salty foods. I love them. But probably I'd just say like American cuisine some french fries with salt with salt with extra salt uh-huh. salty ketchup a good pickle mm, I those could, are salty i could eat those nonstop. that's like the only thing that's in them is sodium <laughs> so i guess food genre is yeah, so, salt okay. <laughs> there you have it what about that uh salt uh they have salty ice cream do you like the salty ice cream like salted, sea salted caramel yeah, or something yeah. yes oh top notch what about uh sports you a sports fan? I am a sports fan, especially Cleveland sports. Well, yeah. Go Tribe. And Irish sports. And, yes, and if anyone, if anyone on means. this podcast says Irish dancing isn't a sport, they can come talk to me. Oh, boy. It's a, She's very it's a long debate right in my family. Yeah. What would be one sentence that you would want to say to any teenagers out there listening? I would want to say that I'm so excited to meet you guys. I really am excited to be able to get to know you and spend time with you guys and learn who you are and who this parish is. And so I'm just really excited to get started. That was like three sentences, but that's okay. Yeah. I am upset. (coughs) I'll edit out the the two that give it context. So the one sentence just seems real weird. All right. Uh, One more. 
it doesn't have to be one sentence. I don't mean to box you in. But uh, <laughs> what do you want to say to parents of teenagers out there? Because youth ministers partner up with parents in, in evangelizing and catechizing their young people. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all the parents out there just for, for what you've done, especially during this quarantine of being the educators for your kids but also to any parents that send their kids to youth group and are willing to let me be a part of your child and your family's life. I'm so humbled and I'm so grateful. And I can't wait to get to know all of you guys too, not just your kids, but you parents as well. And lastly, do you have any questions for me? I don't about think so. what it's like working here? I mean, I guess like... Every parish has like a flavor to it, like a charism. Mm -hmm. To St. Basil's. Salty. <laughs> this Holy Spirit. But in the bad way where everybody's a curmudgeon <laughs> and they give real short, snappy, snarky answers. Tons of sarcasm. <laughs> well, no, sarcasm um, is my love language, so I, uh, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know how to answer your question seriously. So I'll stick with the I like it. Salty I guess answer. I'll I guess I'll find out for myself. Yeah. Soon enough. Wow. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you're still with us and give us a rating on iTunes or definitely try and share this podcast so more people can get to know Aaron. So share this on our social media posts when we put it out there. And remember that if you are living a mediocre life, you think? and you want to take the next step in your faith journey, that means praying every day. That means praying the rosary. That means opening up the Bible. And it means getting to Mass every week, going to confession once a month if you can, make that regular. And every year, do some sort of retreat or pilgrimage, and you will not be able to, to plateau. You will not be able to stay in the same place because there is no staying in the same place. You're either advancing or retreating. You're either climbing up or slipping down. Thank you so much, Aaron, for being here. God bless you and good luck because you're going to need so much of it. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us. <laughs>